The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. So number one, we see the dangers around them. The dangers around them. Again, there was conspiracy, there were complaints, there was criticism. That was around them. We see the deity above them. Nehemiah, he turns right in verse number 4. As soon as he hears the complaining, the criticism, as soon as he, he hears the criticism and the conspiracies around him, he, he turns right to God and he says, Hear, O our God. And he asks God to help him. How many need help this morning? You need help with anything. Can I remind you that what you need, who you need to look to is God. Uh, he is your help. And he's a very present help in time of needing. Can I remind you this morning that through Christ we have access to boldly come before his throne and find grace to help in our time of need. You may be in a time of need this morning, but Jesus died so you could boldly come and get help. Jesus died so that you could come and get the help that you need, but our help cometh from above. That's where our help comes. Lift up your eyes and look on the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from above who made heaven and earth. That's where our help is. Our help is not in self-help. Are you with me? There's a lot of people using pulpits today to preach self-help messages, to preach uh, something about you being better so that you can help yourself. This is not pick up yourself by your bootstraps today uh, message. This is trust in the Lord with all your heart message. This is put your trust in God. Some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. God is the one who uh, is our defender. He is the one who is our savior. He is the one who is the one that secures us and helps us. And can I tell you this morning that God cares for your soul. He cares for who you are. He cares for your struggle. He he cares for your burdens this morning. And no matter what they are, uh, nobody could ever care for you like Jesus. Jesus cares for you. The dangers around them, the deity above them. I want you to see the leaders prayed in verses 4 and 5, but then verse 9, the laborers also prayed. Look at verse number 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer. We together, first in verse number 4, it was the voice of Nehemiah, and in verse number 9, he got some other people praying. Sometimes uh, when we pray and we turn our faith to God, it helps encourage others to do the same. Nehemiah turned to God as an example, and then all of a sudden everybody else started praying too. It's a good thing for us to draw near to God. And the laborers prayed. They called on God, but everyone involved in the work, bathe the work in prayer. Can I tell you, before you pick up your, uh, your tool, your instrument to build or to your weapon to battle, you better come first with prayer. And that's what the Bible tells us. That's how we do battle. That's how we really build. That's how things are accomplished through prayer. You've got to see it in prayer before you can ever accomplish it, before you can ever do it. Because without God, it's impossible. Listen, I, I, I will, uh, I'm fearful of the day that I ever walk into a pulpit or do anything uh, that I'm supposed to do and I don't first bend my knee in prayer and ask God for help. Listen, this morning, just like I do every other, every, every other week, knelt my knee uh, down in the office before I ever walked out with the Bible, before I ever picked up the message, before I picked up the outline, said, God, I am helpless and hopeless and in need of you, and I can do nothing without you. There's nothing that can be accomplished through my words, but all through your word. And God, help me as your messenger to preach your word today. 
Listen, I, I tell you this morning, we ought to say that in our hearts. God, help us to receive your word. God, help us to be attentive to your word. God, do your work in us. God, we need that. That should be our our prayer today. God, please do your will in us. And the laborers prayed. But then I want you to see number three this morning. This is where we left off last week. I want you to see the duties assigned them. The duties assigned them. Note here they didn't just pray about the work and think they were finished. They knew that prayer was the beginning After prayer, it was time to bend the back under the load. Listen, after we pray, we got to get up and do something. After we pray, we got to get up and obey God. We've got to do what He has called us to do. Sometimes we just spend time in prayer and then we just expect God to do it. Uh, But if God's called you to do something, you've got to get up and do it. You've got to do what He said. Remember what James said in His Word? He He said, faith without what? Works is dead. In other words, if you say you have faith, but you don't act on what you say you believe, then your faith is in vain, the Bible says. It's dead. Listen, dead faith never took anybody to heaven. Dead faith is not something to have confidence in. There's a lot of dead faith all around us, people believing in something. But I'm telling you, we don't just need to have belief in something. That's what people talk about faith. We need to have belief in the one true living God. The one that's able to do all things. And you know what he expects of us as we put our faith in him? That we obey him. That we do what his word says. If we truly believe it, we're going to act on it. How many know that belief affects behavior? What I believe will change how I live. What I believe, if I truly believe something. Come on, are you with me this morning? Do you believe there's a heaven? Do you believe there's a hell? If you truly believe that there's a hell and that people are dying and going there, don't you think? that that's going to change the way that you act? Change the way that you live? Help you to understand why you're here and what you're here for and the messenger. Uh, You're here to to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because there's a heaven, there's a hell. Notice the duties assigned them. They were, verse number 6, look at it with me. So built we the wall. And uh, he says, and all the wall was joined together. Under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Do you see that verse 6? The people had a mind to work. Sometimes, do you ever go to work without wanting to be to work? How does that work day go for you? Not too good. You know, you, you're at work, but you don't want to be at work. You know, you're presently there, but in your mind you're not there. You don't have a productive day on those days. You say, well, I never want to go to work, but how many know that sometimes... Work has your body, but it doesn't have your mind. You know, I I tell you, uh, when it comes to the people of God, we need to have a mind to work. We just say, hey, listen, we're not here uh, just to say that we're going to be busy about the work of God. We're here to actually do the work of God. Listen, start doing something for God. Do something. Sometimes people say, well, I need, listen, I've I've heard it sometimes. People say, "I, I want something to do, and then we give them something to do. They show up, they do it one week, and then they quit. Are you with me? If you're above handing out a bulletin, greeting somebody, vacuuming a floor, or, you know, helping in, in, in the nursery, or helping here or helping there, if you're above that, listen, maybe you just don't have a mind to work. Because when we say the work of God, we're saying, hey, the work of God, all of it's important. There's something to do. You may not be the one that's, uh, you know, building on the part of the wall that you want because, listen, sometimes we really don't want to work. Sometimes we just want to have people see us doing work. We're more uh, wanting people to 
kind of notice us. Can I say thank you this morning to everybody who works when nobody claps for you? Everybody works when, you know, it's not being recorded. Everybody who works when it's not seen, when nobody's paying attention. Hey, listen, I'm thankful for the people who worked here to prepare for us today, to be here. There's people, you know, there's people working right now while we're sitting. They're working. You say, well, they're missing the message. You know what? They're still, they're still serving the Lord. They're working. Why? Because they have a mind to work. There's something to be done. Sometimes we're looking around, we're saying, hey, we need volunteers for this, and we need volunteers for that, and sometimes, well, that's just not my thing, you know. Sometimes it's just our mind. We just don't have a mind to work. We don't have a mind to be involved. We would rather kind of show up on our own timeline and leave on our own timeline and not have to be connected or committed or, you know, show up. I've heard people do that. They, they, they volunteer, and then you say, okay, I need you here. Well, I can't, I can't come at that time. Well, what, what's your availability? I really don't know if I have any availability. Well, if you're not, if, if you have no availability, then you can't do, a, you can't work. You can't, you can't show up. How many know if you show up to a job interview and they say, what's your availability? You say, I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, I, don't, I really don't know what I can. You know, let, me, let me help you. Those that are struggling with finding a job, that's why you're struggling. Because you're not going to get a job you're not available for. Because you're not, nobody's going to give you a job if you don't show up. Nobody's going to give you a job. Listen, we live in a world of entitlement. Everybody should just pay me to do what I want to do. But how many know that God says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat? That we're supposed to work, that we're supposed to labor, that we have jobs that we need to do. And hey, listen, the work that we're doing, it's important, isn't it? Listen, sometimes we want to, we want to just kind of make excuses instead of make a, make a, 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 give ourselves completely to the work that God's called us to do. And a lot of times we're, we're not being obedient, we're just making excuses. Notice Verse number 6, they were united in the process of the work. Notice the word we in the phrase people had a mind. It expresses a unity of purpose and work. These folks were working together, and as a result, the work was accomplished. Did you get that? The wall was built because they were working together. The job was done because they were working together. Nehemiah couldn't do it alone, but he had to get people involved and desired to do it. And they said, hey, listen, we're going to get this done. We're going to get it done. Listen, are you somebody that God can count on? Are you somebody that shows up, somebody who's faithful? How many believe God is faithful? He's always where He's supposed to be when He's supposed to be there. Because He's always everywhere at all times. He is never late. He is never unfaithful. He is never uncommitted. You know, that's us. But how many want to be more like God? Because His faithfulness is great. He wants to make us faithful like He's faithful. God makes us faithful. He makes His people faithful. Notice they were united in the process of the work. Number two, they were united in the protection of the work. While they all worked, they all watched. While they all worked, they all labored. While they all worked, they all involved themselves in the work. They were united in the protection of the work. Everyone had each other's best interests at heart. Do you get that? They were there, they were working, but they were also watching they were working, they were looking out for each other. How many don't like being in a workplace where everybody's only looking out for number one? You know, I, I'm not really wanting to be involved in helping anybody around me. I'm just wanting to be involved in making sure that I am seen working, that I am, I'm the one that gets the promotion. You know, no, nobody wants to be on that team. You know, but when everybody has each other's backs, 
when we're there to help one another, when we're there to look out for one another. Hey, listen, that's how church community is supposed to be. You know why we hold each other accountable, why we come to each other and say, hey, listen, you know, I, I, I want to help you in this area. I noticed this, or hey, hey, there's a danger over here. I want you to pay attention to it. I want you to look out for this. Listen, sometimes we get so offended when someone comes to us and points out something to us that's a danger to us and our family. We have to thank those people. You with me? Sometimes as a pastor, I, I, I go, come to people and I'll say, hey, listen, you need to be careful with this. I see this. I notice this. And, you know, some people say, oh, you just know your business. Why in the world? You, oh, yeah, and they get all bent out of shape. Hey, listen, we understand that part of our job is to look out for each other. How many thankful when people look out? When there's, a, when there's a danger that can happen, you don't see it, but somebody warns you. Somebody says, hey, you need to watch this. You need to be careful here. You know, a part of the job that we see that's around us is we have a real enemy, and what's he trying to do? He's trying to slip into the vulnerable places on the wall. How many know that they say that a chain is only strongest as its what? Weakest link. You know why? Because the devil's always looking for a place, isn't he? The Bible says don't give place to the devil. Sometimes we give him a place because we let an area of our life that we know is weak. Can I tell you, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, that's a weak area of your life. If there's an area of your life where you're being disobedient to God, that's a weak area of your life. If there's something that God has revealed to you that you're to obey Him in, if there's a part of your life He showed you you should change and you haven't, that's a weak area of your life. The Bible calls us to church, it calls us to unity. One of the most favorite times that we have as a church family, for me, is when we have the Lord's table. You know why? Because it's supposed to bring us together in unity. It's when we come and we say, God, we're not going to have any unconfessed sin. God, we're not going to live our lives separately and you know, act like we're not together. We're going to come together and we're going to remember your death and why you died for us. And we're going to unify around the cross and unify around your work. And it's such a sweet, unifying time. But I tell you what happens a lot in churches today. People who have unconfessed sin and people who know they're being disobedient to God just stay away. It's the Lord's table, so I just don't come. I don't have to partake. Can I encourage you, church? God never says that you have the right to just not partake. As a matter of fact, you're being disobedient if you don't partake. He calls us to repentance. He calls us to confess our sins. He calls us to unity together as a church body. You know what we need to do? We need to be unified around the work. The duties assigned them, they were united in the process of the work, They were united in the protection of the work. And listen, they were united in the progress of the work. As the work progressed, they were all in it together until it was done. With me? All of us, everyone, we said it. All of us, everyone, you're important to God. Everyone, all of us, young and old, you're a new Christian, you've been saved a lot of years. All of us, everyone. I, say this be- I said this before, and I'll say it again. Listen, church, none of us, we can't lose any of us. We can't afford to lose you. We can't afford to lose. Listen, sometimes we think, I- I've heard pastors say, you know, sometimes people leave and sometimes people don't come back, and sometimes you just go out and get some new people. A- as, a- as a pastor, I never can look at it that way. It hurts me every time. Are you with me? Because we lose. We shouldn't be losing ground. We should be gaining ground. We shouldn't be losing people. We should be gaining people. You say, what are you talking about? It's all about people. Yes, the ministry is people. It's not the building. 
It's not our kingdom. It's, it's God. It's his work. And, and we've got to continue forward. And listen, we need to protect one another and have each other's backs. But we need to stay in the work until it's done. We can't afford to quit. You with me? We can't afford to quit. I know it's summertime and, you know, we have different schedules and we take vacations and all these things. But it shouldn't be, you know, hey, pastor, you know, I've got three parties to go to and I've got this going on, I've got a sports game, and I've got this, and I've got that, and if I can fit church in, maybe we'll be there. Are you with me? How many know that's upside-down priorities? God's first. God's first. You put God before everything. Listen, as a church, we've got to send that message loud and clear. This isn't a place that, you know, maybe, maybe where the church is going to come together. It's a place where we come together, where we're faithful, where we understand there's a great work that needs to be done, and we've got to see it through to completion. Listen, people are quitting, and some are being devoured, but we need to continue forward. The duties that are assigned them. Has God given you some important duties? Think about it, church. Is going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature, is that an important duty that God has given the church? Has He? Has He given us that duty? Has He made you a mom and a dad, mom or dad? Has He made you a parent? Can I tell you, you have an important duty to God? To raise your family for God? Don't just bring your kids to church and expect that that's going to be their education spiritually. Read the Bible at home. Pray at home. Lead your families to follow after God. Listen, you've got an important duty. Has God given you a spouse, a husband or wife? You've got an important duty. Can I tell you this? In a world that's where there's cheating and where there's lying and where there's all this. Hey, listen, stay faithful to your spouse. Can I, can I just help you a little bit? Stay faithful to your spouse. I just did a wedding yesterday, and I always, when I do the vows, I always think about that statement at the end that I tell them that they need to say, and forsaking all others, keep myself only unto you so long as we both shall live. How many know that people, they say those things? Listen, if you put more into your wedding day than you do into your marriage, you're going to have trouble. Listen, some people spend thousands of dollars on one day. And I want to tell them, listen, it would be better off if you just wandered into a park somewhere and said some vows and dumped the money into your marriage and dump the money into your family, and stop thinking about all this this glamorous uh, activity that goes into one day, and think about the lifetime of commitment that marriage is going to take, and by the way, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And you got to stay at the work, and you got to stay on the wall, and you got to see it to completion. Listen, I'm tired of hearing about even uh, church and church. Listen, people that have been married 25, 30 years, and all of a sudden now they're not happy with each other anymore. Come on, are you with me? You just see, you see it through. And by the way, hey, you know how you don't cheat on your spouse? You don't look somewhere else first. You don't look somewhere else first. Keep your eyes where they're supposed to be. Are you with me? Keep your heart where it's supposed to be. Keep your eyes where they're supposed to be. Keep them on the Lord Jesus Christ. God will help you. And by the way, can I say this, uh, Christian couples? It is always difficult. Always going to be difficult. Don't you think, oh, it's all over. We can't do it anymore. Yes, you can with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I, want to, I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. you. You don't need to call it quits. You need to say we need to continue. We need to continue. Nobody, nobody ever said it's going to be easy. Sometimes you're saying, oh, it's, 
It's too hard. Listen, it's not too hard with Jesus. Can I, can I just assure you one thing? It's a lot harder out there without Him. It's a lot harder without Him. Oh, 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 can I tell you everything that's not following Jesus that looks more attractive to you than following Jesus? It's all just a lie. It's all a lie. It's all a deception. It's all a fantasy. This is reality. This is, hey, listen, loving God and following Him, that's as best as it gets. That's as awesome as it gets. And, hey, listen, there's protection. Protection. I'm always afraid for people who walk away from God because I'm saying, hey, listen, no more protection. God doesn't bless and protect disobedience. When I'm not following God, I'm making myself vulnerable. And lastly this morning, number one, we said the dangers around them, or two, the deity above them. Number three, the duties assigned them. Number four, lastly, the, determined, the d- determinations about them. The determinations about them. Notice verse number 14. And I looked and rose up. You with me, church? Everybody all right this morning? The determination about them. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. Can I tell you that God is greater than your circumstances? He is great, and to your enemies, He is terrible. Listen, He is great, and to your enemies, He is terrible. He is awesome. This is what the Bible is saying here. God is greater than your circumstances. God is greater than your situation. Sometimes when we're sitting in the midst of something, it's close to us. How many know that's what... What's far away from you often looks smaller than what's closer to you. You know, when I'm looking at something from a distance, it looks small. Sometimes that's us. We're looking at our circumstances close up and our God from a distance. You know why? That's why we need to draw nigh to God. When we get close to God, are you with me this morning? When we get close to God, God is so much bigger to us. When we draw close to Him, when we can see Him where He is, is God with us? Has He ever left us or forsaken us? He's with us, isn't He? Say, God's with me. He is. He's with us today. And so, listen, see God for where He is. He's with you and for how awesome He is. Sometimes our eyes are just on our circumstances, aren't they? Come on, some of you having a hard time listening to the Word of God today because of your circumstances. You say, it's too hard, it's too difficult. You've already, in your mind, listen, you don't have a mind to work. You don't have a mind to it. You just say, I just, I'm just going to call it quits. I'm going to look for the escape route. I'm looking, uh, listen, I don't want to do this anymore. I tell you, that's the, that's the flesh and the devil. Trying to get you to quit. Throw in the towel. Can I say to our young people, listen, listen, serve God, live for God. Flee youthful lusts. The Bible says they war against your soul. You know what that means? That means as a young person, you're going to have desires you shouldn't have. You're going to battle with them. It's going to, it's going to happen every single day. You're going to have temptations all around you. Oh, the party out there looks great. The people that are not following God look like they're having a great time in your heart. You may leave and go with them before you ever do in your own decisions. But can I tell you, it is not worth it. Every generation of young people that's done that has been destroyed. Every generation, and you will be no different if you stop following God. So churches are saying, oh, we're losing our young people. We're losing our young people. I'm so glad that when people come in, they see young people. 
I'm so glad we got young couples. I'm so glad we got older couples. I'm so glad we got young children. And we've got, I'm, I'm hearing the babies say, that, that's great. We got another generation of the church. We got to hold on to them because it's worth fighting for. Do you hear what he says? Verse 14, he says, fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Come on, are you with me this morning? My family's worth fighting for. Is yours? Are you willing to fight for your family? Are you willing to fight for them? Because there's a fight that's going on right now, and if you're not in the fight, hey, listen, you're losing. You've got to get on the fight. You, you've, got to, you've got to, hey, listen, you've got to battle against what's trying to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Because the devil's just got a bunch of bait all around us, isn't he? He's trying to pull us away, pull us off the wall. Hey, listen, he'll send the critics. He'll send the complaints. You know, the one, one of the things that people begin to listen to before they quit, they listen to the critics and they listen to the complainers. Can I tell you how, the best way that you can secure your marriage? Don't listen to anybody talk negatively about it. Don't talk negative about it and don't listen to anybody else talk negative about it. People who are for you are going to say, hey, listen, you can do it with Christ. Let me pray with you. Let me help you. Don't quit. Don't give up. You know, so many people, they go and they find somebody to tell them what they want to hear instead of the truth. I want to find somebody who's in my same situation that's going to do what I want to do. Listen, we're always looking for that counsel we want to hear, but you want the truth. The truth is what we need to hear. Hey, in the last days, the Bible tells us they're heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears. Hey, listen, they're filling coliseums. They're filling uh, a bunch of uh, auditoriums, listening to people, telling them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. The truth is what we need to hear. The truth is hard. But listen, we need to have some determination about us, like the people of God. They had some determination. They were, number one, they were fighting for their faith. More was at stake in Jerusalem than a wall. How many know more is at stake than a wall? More is at stake than a building. More is at stake than a a property. There's so much more at stake than that. It's the people of God. Nehemiah knew that the very worship of Jehovah was in the balance. Remember as you pray, as you labor in the church of God, that the future of your worship is at stake. What you do now will determine the atmosphere of worship in this church for a long time to come. You know what I want to do when we come together? Prepare for a great move of God. You say, when's it going to happen? I don't know, only He can send it. You say, uh, uh, we can, listen, we can schedule revival. We, we can call meetings revival. But we cannot have revival without a work of God. God is the only one that can bring revival to our hearts. Listen, but He doesn't ever send it to people who don't want it. You know where revival comes? When people are fasting and praying and begging God and saying, God, I want to be revived. And listen, I'm thankful for times of revival in my life. And a lot of it has to do with people before me who fasted and prayed and made an atmosphere for it. Listen, we come in here, listen, the atmosphere of the building has a lot to do with the people, the attitude of the people. Did you get that? The atmosphere of the service has a lot to do with the attitude of the people. If we come in with this attitude that's complacent, what did God do in the Old Testament when they came before Him and they were not in their heart, in their attitude? What did, we see some terrible things happening, don't we, in the Old Testament? What was God trying to send the message of? I care about your thoughts. I care about your hearts. 
I care about your motives. I don't just want vain, repetitious actions. God doesn't want that from us. Listen, I'm with you this morning. I got to sing, but did you praise God? Did you worship Him? We sang songs, but did you praise Him? Did you worship Him? Hey, we took an offering, but did you really give to Him? Did you really give to Him? Listen, uh, we're here. We're hearing the Word of God, but are our hearts fully after Him? Are we not hungry for God? Are we so full that we're not willing to fight for our faith? Listen, how many thankful for those that were willing to be burnt at the stake? Listen, I, there's not too many times I open this and I don't see the blood. You with me? People bled and died so I could have a Bible in my language. They bled and died. Listen, some of them, they signed their death warrants because they were willing to print the Bible, the Word of God, to translate it, to die so that we could have it. Listen, are, are we willing to do the same for another generation? Are we just going to let our faith go? Are we willing to fight for our faith? Notice, he says, fight for your faith. He says, fight for your families. Nehemiah knew that their struggle was for the very lives of their families. If they succeeded, their families would live. If they failed, they would all die. The struggle for this church is just as real today. You're fighting to maintain a place of worship that will impact your families. Let me ask you this morning. Come on, church. Let me ask you. What kind of church is this going to be in 20 years? If the Lord tarries. You with me? You say, I can't see past next week, Pastor. You've got to. You've got to. If the Lord tarries, what kind of church is this going to be a strong church? They say, Pastor, as long as you... You stand up there and preach the word. I get it. But isn't the responsibility just as much on you as it is on me? For the kind of church this is going to be. What are we going to make for the next generation? How many think it's sad that church is closed? I drove by a church as I went uh, to do the wedding yesterday. And I drove by just a beautiful church. I saw the church. And when I went by it, I saw Weikert Realtors. It was a real estate office in an old church. It was an old church that one time was there, had a thriving community, and a pastor that preached the gospel. And you know what I hoped? I hoped they moved on because the building was too small and they had to get a bigger location. It's just a building. That's what I hoped. But what I feared was what is actually really happening to churches today. They're closing down. Listen, I hear it every single week, pastors quitting. Why? Because they, they just can't support their families. Nobody shows up to church. They can't pay the bills. They can't. Why? You say, oh, that's, that, that, that's their fault. Hey, listen, what kind of church are we going to have? We, we can't be moving, trending down, moving away from God and moving, going after the world. We have got to build a church that will make a name for God, not a name for us. Does this community need a church? Listen, there's other good men that are preaching the gospel, and I'm thankful for every single one of them. We don't need less churches. We need more churches. But the existence of this church is not on my shoulders. It's on us. All of us. Everyone. Did you get that today? All of us. Everyone. Nehemiah couldn't build the wall. It was on the nobles. It was on the leaders. It was on all the people. And he called them together and said, hey, listen, we've got to get involved. 
Have you been on the fence? You with me? Sometimes that's us, isn't it? We're kind of on the fence. We could go one way or the other. I'm not real sure if I want to commit. I kind of want to have my own time, my own free time. I don't really want to get involved. How many know that relationships require commitment? And commitment comes with a cost. Isn't that the truth? Relationship requires commitment, and commitment comes with a cost. That's why people say, I don't want to be committed. I don't want to be involved. I tell you, the cause of Christ is worth your commitment and the cost that it's going to take from us. What did Jesus tell us, church, to take up? We're done, but let me ask you. What did he tell us to take up and follow him? Our cross. Are you bearing your cross for Christ? Are you despising the shame? Are you not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen, how many with me today? The world is doing shameful things very proudly. The world is doing things that they should be ashamed of, and they're very proud about them. And Christians are ashamed of what they should be standing for. They're slinking back away from. Listen, we've got to get a backbone again. We've got to be someone that can be counted on again. We've got to say, hey, listen, I'm going to get in the battle. I'm going to get in the fight. Would another believer be able to count on you in spiritual foxholes? Did you see the last part of the uh, chapter? We didn't even put off our clothes except for washing. They were serious. They didn't even have time, listen, to let their guard down for a minute to go and, you know, hey, somebody might see I wore the same clothes again. <laughs> they said, no, we don't even have time for that. You know, there's going to be a time where we have to put it off and, you know, wash them, but we've got to put it right back on and get right back to the work. That's got to be how sober-minded we are about the things of God, church. Listen, I'm all, we're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy each other's company today. It's going to be a blast. But I tell you, we've got to have a soberness of mind to understand that what we're doing is serious and requires more than casual attendance. Are you with me? What we're doing is serious and requires more than casual attendance. It requires commitment. Are you committed? Let me ask you this question. If God was committed to you, in the same way you were committed to Him, would you feel safe and secure today? If God was as committed to to you as you were committed, in other words, if He was, you know, showing the same kind of commitment to you that you are to Him, how many thankful that God's commitment to us is perfect, faithful, never fails? I know that's not going to be us, but that's what He wants to make in us. That's how He wants to change us. That's the steps He wants us to follow in. It's going to take some commitment today. Listen, uh, some, some this evening are going to publicly follow Christ in baptism. You know what that is? That's not a fun thing that we do because it's a trend. That's something we do because we're serious about our relationship with Christ. Meaning, I'm not entering into the baptismal water saying... Well, this is going to be cool, and, you know, I'm going to have a good time. I'm entering the baptismal water saying, boy, when I 
come up out of this water, I'm leaving my old life behind. I'm following Jesus. I'm not going to be the same. Listen, I understand baptism water doesn't save us. But when we enter baptismal waters and we take that spiritual step, it's a commitment to Christ. It's not a class you take and then you never show up again. Are you with me? It's not something that we do so that we can be seen. It's something that we do so that we can be dead and He can live in us. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Listen, have you followed Christ in baptism? It's the first step of obedience. If you won't take that step, you probably won't take any more. You've got to identify with Him. You've got to be buried with Him. You've got to rise in the power of His resurrection and live in the newness of life that He offers through Christ. If you've never taken that step, or seriously, I want you to consider today, I say, I'm going I'm to follow Christ. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to obey Him. But Christian, maybe you've entered baptismal waters before, but you've kind of walked away. You know what I want you to do today? Recommit your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Say, what do you mean? Tell Him. Hey, listen, I've been a little casual. I've been a little complacent. But today, my heart belongs to you, God. And I'm committing, I'm recommitting my life to you. Maybe that's you today and you need to do that. And maybe this is you. Maybe this is foreign to you. Maybe this is all new to you. Maybe these kind of personal challenges. You're used to religion being distant and disconnected. Listen, a relationship with Jesus Christ is what you need. Jesus died so that you could have life. And if you will repent of your sin, that means you say, God, I'm a sinner. You know what sin does? It sends us to a place called hell. God would that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's calling us out of darkness. That means I've got to say, I don't want this life. I want to die to that old life. And I want the life that He has to offer me. He that hath the Son hath life. Are you saved this morning? If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Are you secure in Christ? Some decisions we need to make, church. Don't you agree? Are we committed followers of Jesus? Have we followed in baptism? Are we saved? There's some duties that have been assigned us, and there needs to be some determinations that are about us. Spiritual work requires spiritual wisdom, and that spiritual wisdom is available to all those who ask for it. If you need wisdom today, I'm going to tell you, God can give it to you in abundance liberally if god has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org also if you would like to support this ministry financially you can do so online at opendoornj.org thanks for tuning in